let me tell you just a little bit about myself. Some of you may, I, I know I know some of you, some of you may or may not know uh, me. You may have heard of me, seen my picture up in the post office. Okay, thank you. If you didn't laugh, then I was going to have a little, we're going to have a little trouble. I might go out the side door that way. Uh, but uh, uh, I grew up on a farm, uh, poor. We uh, had two milk cows that we milked by hand in the morning. Uh, I've got, there's uh, four of us boys and my sister. Uh, I'm number three. Uh, so those of you who are the middle child, you can pray for me tonight or you can that way or as we go through things. I met my wife, Lisa. If you've not seen her, she's a pretty one back there in the middle in that blue shirt. I know you've heard her sing. That's why I bring her. So tonight you'll go home in your car. You'll say, and that preacher was so-so, but man, can his wife sing? So that's why I bring her along that way, so you at least have something nice uh, to talk about that way. Uh, we, uh, we met in college. She's from Pittsburgh. She's a big city girl, and I'm a, as I said, I'm a farm, farm boy. Uh, we got married. We have uh, four children, and let's just get things straight. My oldest just turned 42. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, his oldest son is 42, and he's about 55, you would be right. Once again, we laugh. We're going to have a good time. Is there a clock in here anywhere? I don't know how, Alan, there's no, there's no clock up here or anything that way. How does, do you guys sing people down? Please feel free to do so, because I also spent uh, 12 years out in eastern Kentucky in Breathitt County, and we know how to sing people down out there that way. But anyway, I, I digress uh, that way, as I was telling you, uh, telling you about ourselves. Uh, went, to, uh, went to seminary, and then we went out to Breathitt County. Uh, for, we had all four of our children as we were in seminary, and God blessed us. Went out to Breathitt County, was out there, as I said, for 12 years. Moved here to Rockcastle County in 2005 and pastored Fairview Baptist Church for 17 years uh, for different personal reasons and things with my family. Uh, I, d- I did retire. to be This March will be uh, two years uh, that way, and... Uh, You may be in for a treat tonight because this is actually my first time back behind the pulpit since that time happened. So uh, I hope you know what they say about sort of new preachers. They're either done in five minutes or five hours. So uh, I do have my sermons written out on paper, but that doesn't mean a single thing to me. My wife will attest to that uh, as as we go along. But but again, uh, we have uh, eight grandchildren, the... uh, Girls like to say three beautiful girls and five ugly boys. Uh, I will refrain from my pictures, though I gave them to Joe, and he's supposed to put them up here on the slide every once in a while during my sermon, so you at least have something interesting to look at. Thank you, Joe, for taking care of that for me uh, as well. But, uh, but no, we should have a good time tonight. I'm glad, I am glad that you're here. Uh, as, as he said this, uh, just a little bit ago, uh, I never, I wasn't sure whether anybody would be here because this is the perfect time to play hooky, except uh, I was told by Alan to report on who was here, take attendance. And uh, so you guys are all right because you're here, you know, so tell your friends who weren't here, Brother Razor took attendance, uh, Brother Alan needs an extra cookie or something to, uh, to take things uh, along with you. If you have your Bibles... Uh, I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter 9. The uh, uh, slide, for some reason, says 1 through 7. I left out a 1. We're going 1 through 17. 
uh, as we read tonight. So if you would uh, read along with me, uh, if you're able to, Matthew chapter 9 and beginning in verse 1. And it says, he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And praise God, what does verse 7 say? He arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And as Jesus passed forth from hence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn that what it means, for I have mercy. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to all, call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then came him to the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and they shall, then they shall fast. For no man putteth a piece of new cloth into an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this evening and for your presence in this place and for knowing that you have the power to forgive our sins and to change our lives. I pray that our ears and our hearts be open this evening, that we will hear what you had to say to us, and we will allow you to come into our lives and change us, for that is what you want to do. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, when I preach, most of the time, I like to look at exactly what is going on in the Scripture and the people. There's a lot of theological things in there, and I can't remember if I mentioned I went to Southern Seminary. I'll say that about 12 times tonight, so you know that I am very, very intelligent. Okay, good. See, I knew we were going to get, we were going to get along. As long as you keep laughing, you know, it would be good that way. But there are preachers who do like to impress you with how intelligent you are. And if you wanted to, I could go through all the different theological ramifications in here. But as I told you, I grew up poor on a farm. I did not go to seminary until I was married and had children. I sat in a pew like you are right now. And so my sermons generally are very easy to understand and very much that you can see and know about. And so what I like to look at a lot is exactly what is going on in the scripture and let you then absorb from that. So I want to give you a question tonight, and I want you to think about this. Now, most of the time when preachers give you a question, it's a trick question. So you just think about that. You don't know me. I don't know you all that well. You figure out that on your own tonight. The question is, which 
is greater, a physical change or a spiritual change? Now, think about that. And I know you probably are ready to answer and things that way. And if I pointed, you'd probably give me an answer. But it is a trick question because I want you to think about it. Here's what I mean. Look at verse 9. Jesus passed forth from hence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. What happened there? See what I mean? What happened with Matthew? We can talk about all the theological things in the world that you want to. But I want you to see what happened to Matthew. Jesus spoke. And what happened to Matthew? I think most of us here, I can tell that way. And if I'm wrong, that's fine. But you know what this scripture is about. I don't have to spend the next 15, 20 minutes telling you about who Matthew is and he's a tax guy, all that. You know that. So what happened? Was that a physical or a spiritual change? That's not a trick question. You know the answer to that. What was it? It was a spiritual change. Matthew had been a tax collector. He had been hated. He had been an outcast. And Jesus said, follow me. And what did he do? He got up and followed him. How could that possibly happen? It can only happen because there is a spiritual change in his life, which is greater. Physical change or spiritual change. Look at verse 10. And it came to pass as Jesus sat and meet at the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why ye your master with publicans and sinners? And Jesus said, when he heard that, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. What's he talking about? Is he talking about a physical sickness? That Jesus came For that physical sickness, just stay right here where it is and what he's talking about. Or is he talking about a spiritual change when he's talking about this sickness? Because he's talking to the Pharisees, is he not? And as far as we know, the Pharisees were all not in the hospital. Nobody had a fever. So they're not physically sick. See, that's why I said I'm not trying to, you know... Pulling smoke or mirrors or things. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. And Jesus says those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. So we're talking about what? Once again, not a trick question. We're talking about a spiritual change. Which is greater? The physical or the spiritual change? All right, now let's go to the main part. Chapter Chapter 9 and verse 1. See, many people think that Jesus was a nice man, that he walked around and said things and hugged children and did nothing about, but talk about God all day long. Just a sweet, nice fellow that everybody got along with. And No, he didn't rock the boat or, or anything. But is that really what happened? Because what I want you to see tonight, and I want to, I'm pretty sure that you know tonight, is that Jesus came... To change your world. He came to get involved. You see in verses there 1 and 2. He gets off the ship and he sees a man sick with palsy. And he sees the faith of the man's friends. In verse 2 it says Jesus seeing their faith said unto the sick of palsy. Now we are talking about a physical sickness right now are we not? All right we're talking about that palsy. Again I could go in to tell you all that but I'm not. You know he's sick. 
That's all we need to know. And he says he's going to help him. And what does he do? He forgives him of his sins. Son of be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. You see, the first biblical truth that we need to learn tonight is that Jesus came to change your world. Think about that. He did not die on a cross just so he could say some nice things about God and people would follow him around and say, isn't that great old Jesus? He told us some good, really good old stories. I'm just so glad I'm here and things and look at him. And No. When Jesus is faced with a man sick with palsy, he doesn't just pat him on the head and say, now there, now I hope you feel better. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then look what happens. See, that's why I said I'm, I'm really interested in, in people and their reactions and things and all that goes on. Because somebody starts complaining. Somebody starts complaining about that. Why is Jesus forgiving this man of sins? Verse 3, a certain number of the scribes said within themselves, this man blaspheming. What's going on here? Now I want you to take a close look, as I said, at who is complaining. See, sometimes we get familiar with the scripture, we get familiar with the story, and we know what's going on, and sometimes we don't really let it sink in. Picture where we are, man being brought sick with palsy. He cannot walk. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Everybody's gathered around. The Pharisees are there. And Jesus says, thy sins are forgiven. And the church people, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. The uh, Pharisees get mad. Because he said, this guy's sins are forgiven. What did the man who was sick with palsy say? Scripture doesn't tell us. I mean, there's not a sentence there. But I think we can figure out from where this is going. He didn't complain. He did not complain. If you go home with anything tonight, remember that. This man's sins were forgiven, and he did not complain about his palsy. I have sat beside so many beds where people want me to pray for healing, and I know that they're wanting me to pray for physical healing, and I don't have a problem, my friends, praying for physical healing. I had not a single problem in the world about praying for physical healing, but that's in Jesus' hand. And then when the physical healing doesn't come, then we say, oh, well, maybe he was healed spiritually. And it's sort of a letdown. But that's not what's happening here. This man's sins were forgiven, and he is not complaining. The man with palsy was carried to Jesus, hoping for that physical healing. But he never dreamed about this forgiveness thing. Jesus changed his world. Jesus gave him above and beyond what he ever dreamed or he hoped to have. One man, one moment, the man with palsy had no hope. The next moment, he still had palsy, but he had 
hope because his sins were forgiven and nothing else mattered. Let that sink in, my friends. I am not here to upset anybody about any kind of physical thing or stuff that way. I've got stories and stories and stories. I can tell you, I can tell you about my personal life that I should be dead right now. And like I said, I'm not going to try, but God healed me and I'm here. I have no problem with physical healing. But this man had his sins forgiven. And his sickness didn't matter anymore. It's amazing. How could that happen? Because his world had been changed. The second truth we need to learn tonight is that Jesus came To make you brand new. Think about that for a moment. Maybe you and I have been asking Jesus for the wrong thing. Maybe we've been focusing on the wrong aspect of our lives. Here is a man who is sick with palsy and he receives the forgiveness of his sins. And he doesn't seem to care that he is crippled. How in the world could that possibly have that kind of a change in a man who is sick with palsy that his friends had to carry him everywhere that he went? That he was now filled with hope. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. No man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in will fill it up and take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. And You might have noticed I slowed down a little bit. I read pretty fast sometimes, but I slowed down here when I was reading. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Are we talking about physical? Or are we talking about spiritual? That's for you to decide. I know what I think. Is he talking about physical wine bottles, physical patches, actual wine, an actual bottle? Or is he talking about a spiritual transformation in your life? How can a person be happy with their life? Jesus came to change your world. He came to change the way you look at things. He came to make you brand new. When Jesus was talking about the old garment and the old wineskin, he was speaking about your old life spiritually. Jesus didn't just come to put a patch on your life. I grew up in a time when we had bicycles and we had inner tubes. And I could take a a bicycle tire off and I could get out the old patch kit and I could rough that. You've done that before? Rough rough that up, put the old glue on there, put the patch on there and put it in there. I I could pull it. I digress. It wasn't a patch. How many of us here wore hand me down clothes? Yeah, okay. Any of those got patches? <laughs> I won't ask you if you're ever embarrassed to go to school and wearing clothes with patches on. I had a cousin who was 50 pounds, well, probably wasn't 50 pounds heavier than me, but he was heavier than me. And I had to wear his clothes and cinch my belt. I put, I'm not a, I weigh more than I do now. Again, I got to be careful. My wife's back there going. That's why I love her. 
43 years, in case I forgot to mention that, she's put up with me. I had to cinch those pants because that's all I had to wear was those hand-me-down clothes from my, and I didn't care. I mean, at that time, who wanted to put a person's name on your clothes? That was the craziest thing. But again, Jesus didn't come just to put a patch on your life. He came to make you brand new. And if you are brand new, then and only then can Jesus fill you full of the Holy Spirit. Did you see what that said? Unless Jesus makes you new, he cannot pour himself into you. He can't pour the new wine in the old bottles. The new wine has to be poured into the new bottles. And again, I've heard preachers talk about the fermentation process and things and all that stuff. You guys are smart enough for that. You know that if you're going to have a new wine, you want to put it in a new bottle. You haven't knew anything. You want to put it in a new bottle. And when Jesus pours himself into you, your life will be changed and your joy will overflow. And just like the man with palsy, nothing else will matter. Nothing. But how can this happen? Look what Jesus does. Let's go back to verse 5. For whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise up and walk that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to he that was sick of palsy, arise, take up thy bed and go into thy house. And he arose and departed into his house. So Jesus asked, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Is it easier to heal someone spiritually or physically? And remember which one the crippled man chose. At this point, the man is healed spiritually and not physically. You know, we read to the end, but you know, until we get to verse 7, he is only healed spiritually. Forgive me for saying that. He is only healed spiritually. That's the only thing that has happened at this point. And he doesn't care which one is easier. He is not complaining. He never asked Jesus for that physical healing. That's what he was wanting. But he was healed spiritually and he's happy. So Jesus turns to the teachers of the law and asks them, what about you? Teachers of the law? What about you? What do you think? Would you want a spiritual or physical healing. Because that's the third truth we need to learn tonight, is what do you and I really want? What do you and I really want in our lives? Do you want a spiritual or a physical healing? See, that's why I ask you that question, and I can almost guarantee you that right away, every single one of you when I said I was going to ask you a question, and I said, which is greater, a spiritual or physical healing? And if I'd have said, raise your hands, you would have all said, spiritual! We know the Sunday school answer. And we know that's the right answer. And you probably said it. Now I want you to understand the implications of what you just said. When you look at the problems in your life, do you want a spiritual or a physical healing? Okay, now, it's going to get deeper. 
It's going to get deeper. And the finger's pointed at me just as much as it's pointed at you. I never preach anything that I haven't went through myself. And I think you know that. If your neighbor is a problem to you, do you want Jesus to physically change your neighbor and make your neighbor good? It's okay. You can say, amen, preacher. (laughs) That's exactly what I want. Because if we're honest with ourselves, and I'll be honest with myself, I've prayed that prayer. Yeah, my neighbors bother me. My coworkers bothering me. There's people in my life I can't get along with. Jesus, will you make them good? That's physical. What would be the spiritual answer to that? The scripture tells you. Jesus, would you change my heart that I may love my neighbor as myself? Which did you choose? Spiritual or the physical healing? If you don't have enough money in your life, and I don't need a show of hands, because <laughs> none of us do, what would you want Jesus to do? And if you're honest with yourself, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. You've prayed this prayer. Lord, open up the windows of heaven. Big pile of money. I know it doesn't grow on trees, but you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm joking, but I'm not, am I? I've prayed that prayer. I've prayed that prayer when I was in seminary and had a wife and had four children and didn't have any money. And I'm sure you've prayed that prayer one time as well. Do you want that physical change or do you want a spiritual change that you would be happy with the amount of money that you have? Think about what Paul said. I'm going to turn real quickly to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. One thing I do when I'm preaching, I don't mark my Bible So when I say I'm turning to Philippians, if you want to turn with me, it'll take me about as long to get there as it will you that way. I don't like preachers who just go flip and then I'm like, hey, I can't catch up. I might find it faster because I know what I'm looking for. But anyway, if you want to look, Philippians, it's there. There we go. Chapter 4, verse 11. Now Paul is speaking. He says, not that I speak in respect of one. I have learned in whatever state I am therein to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul knew what it was like to be rich. He knew what it was like to be poor. He knew what it was like to be full. He knew what it was like to be hungry. And what conclusion does he come to? Lord, open up the heavens and rain the food and the money down on my table. Let me win the lottery. I had a fellow tell me if he won the lottery, he'd give the preacher half of it. I didn't know whether he thought that would wake God up and say, hey, let him have it. Because, you know, he's going to give half of it to a preacher. Tell you to this day, I've not gotten my half. Didn't really expect it. And again, that's funny, but we've been there. What conclusion does Paul say in verse 13? 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Scripture is not written so we can have little nice things to put up on our walls or on our bumper stickers. Scripture is written so you and I can get through life when we are sick, when we are hungry, when we are poor, when life doesn't go the way that we want it to, when we're one of the Lord, what am I going to do to know that there's a spiritual change that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Think about that. Think about that. I want you to think about your church. Do you want to grow? And I've said this prayer too. I've said this prayer as a preacher. I just said this prayer when I was out in Breathitt County. I said this prayer when I was in Rockcastle County. I said this prayer. Lord, open up those doors and let them come in. Oh, please, just one visitor today. Please, just a nice family today. Please, I don't even care if they bring a crying baby. Lord, just open that door and let them come in. Physical change. Physical healing. Or do we want a spiritual change that helps you work and witness with a greater freedom and boldness than ever before? See, I told you at the beginning that my question (laughs) was a trick question, didn't I? I didn't hide anything from you. And you answered it one way or the other. If you have overwhelming problems in your life, do you want Jesus to physically change your problems? Or do you want Jesus to spiritually change your life with the power of the Holy Spirit that allows you to overcome your problems with His strength, with His might, and with His glory? To know that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. To know that nothing is impossible with God. To know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That, my friends, is a spiritual change and is only able to happen in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ as you surrender to Him at the cross. But it's there. Because the fourth truth we need to learn tonight is that Jesus can heal you physically and spiritually. He can do it all. That's why I said, I should, if I get a chance to preach to you again, maybe I'll tell you the rest of my story, but I literally should be dead. I had stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was ate up. I was given six months to live. There is no reason for me to be standing here, except Jesus did heal me physically. But I believe he healed me spiritually so I can stand here and now I'm preaching to you as well. There is no way that a little boy from Bradford, Ohio that grew up on a farm milking two milk cows by hand could be where I am today except by the power of God. I know the woman who married me didn't do it because of my good looks and my money. And if she gets a chance to preach to you, watch out. Jesus healed the man physically because he doesn't do things halfway. Jesus came to change your world from the top to the bottom, from the inside out, and he wants to make you brand new. You can leave here tonight with your life changed. 
You can leave here tonight with a joy that never ends. You can leave here tonight with the same happiness that the crippled man had as Jesus changes your life. Or you can leave here tonight like the teachers of the law. Be unhappy. Be grumbling. Why in the world does that man think he is saying that he can forgive sins? You would think there had been a... I'm going to try to... I'm going to say, the other thing I like with human nature... I can understand why the Pharisees said, you know, why does he think he can, he can uh, why he forgive sins? But don't you think when the man got up and walked away, they might have had a little change of heart? I mean, don't you think if you were standing there and he said, yeah, I'm with the Pharisees. Who do you think you are forgiving this man of your sins? Wait a second. <laughs> And that happened to some. Verse 8, when they multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men, but not the Pharisees. They left there with the same hardness of heart that they came with. That choice was theirs, and that choice is ours. You can leave here tonight with the joy of Jesus Christ in your heart that no matter what happens in your life, you can be as happy as that man sick with palsy. Jesus healed him physically and spiritually. But first, you have to be healed spiritually. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. Do you want Jesus to change your life? I'm going to ask you to come now and give him the old garment of your life and let him give you a new garment, a new heart, a new life as you come and accept him. Those who are going to come and lead us in a time of invitation, would you come at this time? And if you need to come and talk to me here in the front, I'd be happy to talk and pray with you. If you want to wait till Alan comes back and you want to talk and pray with him, glory be to God, I don't have a problem with that at all. I just want the doors of heaven to be open and your heart to be changed. You come as God speaks to you tonight.